ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I don't, I don't catch the fans, mate. I appreciate all their support. We're doing our absolute best and I apologise. It's my fault. I take full responsibility for it. It's always good to kick a dead body, mate. Eddie Jones facing up to the Wallabies' first defeat to Fiji since 1954. 1954. Robert Menzies was PM. We did not have television. It's been a while. In May of this year, Jones was talking about Australia mounting a smash-and-grab campaign to win the World Cup. Today, it was the Islanders smashing up the Wallabies and grabbing the victory as the Australians face the possibility of failing to get out of their group for the first time in their history. How did it go so wrong? And how might the men in gold get back on track? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Nick McArdle is host of Stan Sports Rugby World Cup coverage. Nick, it's arguably never been tougher to be a Wallabies fan, beaten by an inspired Fiji in France. How did it go so wrong for the Australians? Oh, Pat, as you well know, uh, I'm the eternal optimist. I'm, I'm pretty much the last one saying, no, come on, you've got to believe, you've got to believe. But for all of that, this morning was a really tough watch for Wallaby fans. It was, it was really tough going. That's going to run dead in goal from almost inside the Fiji in 22, and they let Fiji off the hook big time. Eddie Jones has put his faith... In the new guard, there's been a, a big clean out. You know, I'm standing there in the studio this morning with, with Michael Hooper, um, our most capped wallaby skipper, and he's standing there as, as an expert. And you know, a lot of people think he should be over there as a player, and he's not the only one. How good would it have been when the wallabies were really under the pump to have a Bernard Foley just to settle things down? This At a World Cup, you cannot overestimate the importance of experience and Eddie Jones has made the decision a very conscious decision to go with the new faces the young faces in Australian rugby and and build for the future look we've gone with a a young team I've got no no um, regrets at all we're building a team for the future and we're going to go through some pain and some of the young players are going to go through some pain and that's generally how you you have an apprenticeship. Well, that's all very well and good, but for Wallaby fans today, that short-term pain, that really hurts. Yeah, it certainly feels acute right now. It seemed as though that lack of experience you talk about really came back to hurt Eddie Jones and the Wallabies. I mean, when Rugby Australia sacked David Rennie for Eddie Jones, we were promised a harder edge, more competitive, better discipline. Jones talked about a World Cup smash-and-grab campaign to win the thing. In reality, are we watching a team that's really being built for the next World Cup? Rugby in Australia can't afford to say that publicly. They can't afford to write off this campaign, but I suspect that that is very much part of the thinking. It has to be. If, if, you, if you don't accept that premise, then what the hell is going on mm-hmm. um, it, when you get rid of all of these older wiser heads and, uh, and bring in this new guard so quickly? That has to be part of the plan. I also suspect, and here's something that you'll never hear Eddie Jones say, I suspect that um, perhaps we're not quite to the point that Eddie suspected we might have been when, when he took over. He, he's opened the fridge and, and realised that a bit more of the food's off than he really expected. So, yeah, there, there is just so much work to do 
now, well, in the seven days leading up to the, the test against Wales next week, but also in the next couple of years to be competitive against um, what will always be, what always is a very good British and Irish Lions side coming our way in 25. And we need to be, well, maybe not a powerhouse, but we need to be more than competitive at a home World Cup in 27. You don't want to be going out in the group stages of your home World Cup. So there is undoubtedly a long-term view to what uh, Eddie Jones is putting in place here. But I've made the decision to go for a young team. Um, if that's the wrong decision, then I'll be held uh, accountable for that. But I think Australian rugby needs to move on to a younger team. But as I said, that, that short-term pain, oh, it's, a, it's a tough day for Wallaby fans. In the short term, the Wallabies take on Wales next. They must win to keep their tournament alive. You talk about going out in a group stage. It's never been done before for the Australians at a Rugby World Cup. How do they turn things around? And and just how damaging would it be for Australia to fail to get out of their group for the first time? Well, it would be incredibly damaging in a professional sporting or football environment where you are gasping for air against other codes like AFL, like NRL that are so cashed up and, you know, turning, getting the best athletes, young athletes into an art form. Uh, You see what's happening with with league at the moment and and some of the names that they manage to attract. That's the, the reality of it is that we are struggling to get the best athletes into rugby and you know you want the narrative of hey come play rugby because you can go and take on the world and we've got a genuine world cup where all these these nations compete in in a in in an event that is one of the biggest sporting events on the world stage that's that's all part of the narrative and if you if you then have failure in that regard Uh, it means that there's a little bit less of that story to tell. As I said at the top, there are a lot of reasons to be to have faith and, and to, to show loyalty towards this Wallaby team. Yeah, and I think if you look at the records, the, the stats show that that's the youngest finishing group for Australia since 1995. So amongst the gloom, there's some really prom- promising thing there, from, particularly from the younger players. But the longer it goes, the more people who are hanging on by their fingernails tend to tend to slip off the bandwagon and we we need success and you know you talk about the Bledisloe I actually think World Cup success every four years is kind of almost more important than Bledisloe it gives us something to look forward to it gives us something to work towards if we don't make it out of the pool stage it it is a disaster. The feel good this morning has to be Fiji I mean we've seen some wonderful scenes of celebration coming out of the island nation. In terms of a positive spin for this morning for world rugby, how significant is this victory for Fijian rugby union? Oh, it's, it's it's massive. You know, this talk about Fiji being a tier two nation, well, not anymore. They've risen and have been doing so for a number of years now. Like, It fits into the, the storyline of what world rugby was trying to achieve when they brought the Fijian and Drua into the competition of, of super rugby over the last few years. Uh, there was, I think, four or five Drua players in that starting side last night, and and they've got Fiji superstars plying their trade around the world. There was a half a dozen in the starting side last night who play French top 14 and and are superstars in that competition, uh, and another handful playing in the UK Premiership and uh, in the Pro 14 in in Scotland. So, yeah, there are Fiji and rugby tentacles spreading around the world and they are now putting it on the park in recent World Cups 
Fijian teams have had the ability to play for 50 or 60 minutes, but you just kind of knew that if you could apply pressure for long enough, that they rarely played out the 80. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, this this team is a quality team. And I tell you what, if they can fix up their line out, which was a real Achilles heel for them in the second half this morning, if they can fix that up, then they are going to go a long way into this tournament. They're just such a, a powerful team. And the more big games they play, the better and better they'll get. I'll take more matches over over resources. The more matches we get at this level, talking outside the World Cup, if we if we can get uh, those tier one matches more regularly, uh, you've seen what these boys can do when they when they get that regular competition. If you're a Fijian supporter, and, you know, unfortunately today Wallaby fans are kicking cans, but there's a lot of people around the world who would be quite happy to have Fiji as their second team because of the brand of rugby they play. We've got a lot to like about what's going to come from Fiji over the next, well, few weeks at least. Can you paint us a picture in terms of the difference of resources between the likes of the Wallabies and Rugby Australia and Fiji, who have just caused an enormous boil over at the Showpiece event? <laughs> at the moment, um, Eddie's under the pump and being criticised for the amount of assistant coaches and psychologists and welfare officers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that he's got with him in England. It's a, it's a huge team. Uh, not that Rugby Australia can really afford it, but... He's in that honeymoon period where what Eddie wants, Eddie gets. But by comparison, Fiji, they get most of their money from world rugby, so they need to spend it wisely. We've prepared with what we've got the best we can. And I think, um, yeah, maybe you don't get those luxuries of the sports psychologists. And they've got Daryl Gibson, who used to be at the Waratahs. He is an assistant coach there. Simon Raoui, who was uh, Michael Checker's forwards coach at the 2019 Rugby World Cup, he is their their head coach, but he was quite a late appointment. So they, what's the word? They're, they're, they're organised, but they're frugal with how they spend their money. They spend it wisely to get the most out of it. And, you know, they can't, they can't compete. They can't ask their local stars to to stay and please play Super Rugby. That's why there are so many Fijians spread out around the world playing because they, they follow the money. But the opportunity to represent their country at a World Cup, you know, the likes of Semi Radradra, for example, who's such a star or was such a star here in, in the NRL, he is now a superstar in France. He loves nothing better than coming back and pulling on that Fijian jersey. Tributes quickly and there is space for Semi. There's this this pride and this passion that they can do something so special for a small island nation. And as you said, the scenes at the stadium last night, but also the scenes we're seeing coming out of Fiji. And you think about all the way back to to 2016 when they won that sevens gold medal in, in Olympics. It's a similar feel. They're a rugby-loving nation, and this victory, and should they go further in this tournament, will just make them better and better and better because every kid who's watching it will dream of doing the same thing in future. It's inspiring. It's exciting. Maybe not so much for the Wallabies fans today, but, hey, it's a bit of a feel-good story. Nick McArdle, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Good to chat, Pat. Thanks, mate. Headlines. The AFL community is still mourning the passing of legend Ron Barassi. 
The Premiership player and coach transformed the sport of Aussie rules both on and off field. And in the coach's box, he had an enormous connection with Melbourne, Carlton, North Melbourne and the Sydney Swans. Our AFL team spoke to Premiership winning coaches David Parkin and Mick Malthouse about Barassi's impact on the game. There is a link to that feed in our show notes. Those interviews are compulsory listening for Aussie rules fans. A big scare for Penrith in the NRL with Nathan Cleary needing scans on an injured finger. The playmaker's been cleared of serious injury ahead of the Panthers' preliminary final with the Storm. Meanwhile, his halves partner Jerome Luai had his first contact session since dislocating his shoulder as he races the clock to be fit in time. Cricket and Australia has suffered a third straight defeat to lose their ODI series to South Africa 3-2. The tourists were all out for 193 in response to the Proteus' massive total of 315. Mitch Marsh made 71 and Marnus Labuschagne scored 44 as he continues his campaign to be the replacement for the injured Travis Head at the one-day International World Cup. The Aussies next play India ahead of that tournament. Thankfully, they have a host of other big names to come back in. Caden Groves has won his third stage of the Tour of Spain on the final day to ensure he claimed the green jersey for best overall sprinter. Filippo Ganna challenges that nobody can catch Caden today. That makes it three, securing the points classification. Enormous. American Zepkos won the overall title from teammate Jonas Vingegaard and Primoz Roglic. That means Jumbo Visma went one, two, three, and they've won the Tour of Spain, the Tour of Italy, and the Tour de France. Not bad. For the first time since April, someone not named Max Verstappen has won a Formula One Grand Prix with Spain's Carlos Sainz claiming Singapore from Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen was fifth, with Australia's Oscar Piastri finishing seventh. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Stan Sport and SBS On Demand for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.